done this thing. Well, you're a bit of a mummy's boy, aren't you, Ian? Uh, it's a bit personal, but yes, I am. Especially after watching this. You're a fan of the mummy. Yes. Well, I'm a big fan of the mummy in general. I mean, I was a big fan of my mummy, but a big <laughs> fan of of mummies in general. Don't they do a good job raising us? Let's have a round of applause for the mums in the audience. Um, <laughs> we should have released this on Mother's Day. We should have, really. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah. No, next Mummy's year, Day. we must make sure that we record on Mother's Day next yeah. year one of the mummy films. Yes, Mummy's right. Day. I Put like that, that in your diary. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the Universal Mummy films. Um, as weird or cheesy as they are, I I do enjoy watching them. Because you've got, you've got The Mummy with Boris, which is an unusual little film. It's not, it, it's not, no one watching that film will get what they think a mummy film should be out of it. It's, it's, it's more of a, well, it's, it's just a retread of Dracula, isn't it? It's a yeah. gothic romance, but it's interesting. But then from the mummy's hand onwards, when, when instead of Imhotep, it's Karis, um, it just, it's, they're fun little movies. They're only about an hour long. They're so much fun. But they're mad. None, you think about it, none of it makes sense. And it exists in this really weird world where people are happy to accept that walking mummies are a thing. But I'd, I'd, I think I'd seen the, the Hammer one once. Um, I've certainly seen a couple of the Hammer sequels and wasn't impressed. Um, but then when you said about this one, I sent off for the Blu-ray, watch this. And it's actually, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very well-made little adventure film isn't it this one <laughs> it is and i think everyone's giving their all in this yeah, film everyone's this is still early enough in hammer's run that everyone's everyone's putting their best efforts into it and not to say um anyone doesn't later on but it becomes a treadmill doesn't it? i think you can tell that like when the actors get tired and the director gets tired and the script writers have run out of ideas this is still early enough what's really weird is sort of looking online everyone says this is a uh, a remake of the mummy and it's not really it's no. more of a remake of the mummy's hand with elements of the other mummy films it's there's not really much to do with boris karloff's version of the mummy in this um so yeah it's it it, it it's not really a remake it's more a take the elements and run with it and literally yeah. run because this is a mummy that runs it is a fast yeah. brutal mummy this yes, mummy we're yeah. going to talk about um so yeah i mean this film um came into being because you know universal were delighted by you know the success of dracula and curse of frankenstein yeah. i mean there is a quote somewhere where they're saying we were on our knees we were more, almost about to go under when the success of those two films revitalised the company, so they opened up their, uh, their, their their treasury and said to Hammer, "Make what you want of ours." Yeah. And so, so that's what happened. And and you know, just like he did, you know, with Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein, it was down to Jimmy Sangster uh, to write the script. And I've whipped out my Inside Hammer book again, yeah. and here we go. Um, this is a quote from Jimmy. This script of The Mummy wasn't based on a book, rather it was based on another movie, or as some people claim, a series of movies. Universal had made a bunch of Mummy movies in the 1940s starring Lon Chaney Jr., and as they wanted a remake from Hammer, I was told to screen them. Always wanted to do what I was told, I sat and watched them, 
At least I think I watched them. I know I, I watched at least one because I used all the same character names, but three question mark. Well, I've got an answer to his question mark in a minute. All right. So yeah, because the... there are there are elements from all of the film, all the uh, Lon Chaney films and the Tom Tyler film in this movie. So yeah, I think he watched them all. Ah, right. They probably Hang on. merged. I've got another quote, but I'm still at Jimmy's book at the moment. The yeah. next uh, quote. There's a quite a lengthy chapter on the mummy. He says uh, Terry Fisher did his usual immaculate job, as did Bernie Robinson. It was Bernie's wife Margaret who did the Egyptian masks. She was also the one who pointed out to me that Karnak was a place and mm. not a god. Yeah. But as the picture had already started shooting, nobody wanted to make any changes. And as producer Michael Carrera said, "Who's going to know the difference?" He was right. Yeah, um, I, I, your average person in Soho watching this film isn't gonna be an egyptian sort of uh expert i do i do think i've worked out so in in the mummy's hand they do mention about the gods of karnak and i wonder if he heard that and thought ah uh, that was the name of the gods but of course they're saying the gods of that place yeah well it's funny you should say that because i saw another uh comment from somebody saying that they think the reason he did that was he just assumed that because saint paul's cathedral is named after St. Paul, then yeah. the Temple of Karnak must be named after Karnak, uh, right, okay. you know, rather than Which, it just be a place. You know, it's, it's fair enough, isn't it? Who's to say there wasn't a uh, a god called Karnak? That yeah, they just, just haven't found yeah, him yet. They didn't, yeah, they haven't found him. Because I think, isn't it something like 70% of the Egyptian cities are still buried? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah there may be one, but I, I don't mind. I yeah. don't mind that it... it it just makes you chuckle a bit, doesn't it? Yes. It'd yeah. be like saying the God Blackpool. <laughs> God of Blackpool. Okay. They might uncover a God they of Blackpool. Do. Yeah. yeah. Presumably it'd be a, a, a sticky and rather smelly God. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, one more quote from Jimmy um, <coughs> saying, Once again, I wrote an insepid role for the leading lady. This yeah. time the poor dear was Yvonne Furneaux, who did her best with an almost non-existent part. As Dennis Michael wrote in his book, A History of Horrors, a typically underwritten sangster female. What was it about me in those days? Still, I made up for it later once I started in on the psycho-type movies. That's when my women characters develop balls, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> all right? So yeah, that's I, all we got from Jimmy. Yeah, I sort of agree with him. I I didn't recognise this uh, Yvonne Ferno. I don't know what she's been in, whether she's did many hammer films or anything um but i thought she was really good i i really enjoyed her performance in this but she's just because she's the only sensible one throughout all this entire film but yeah she just isn't given enough to do she's not really fleshed out very much but yeah i, I enjoy her performance yeah um more quotes before we get into the uh um um talking about the film this is from little shop of horrors issue 24 um, which is uh, a, a really good issue. It's devoted to all the mummy films of of Hammers. Um, this is from um, good old Margaret. You know, we talked about Margaret last time. She's we the did, one who yes. made the mask for the Hound, for the Hound of the ba Baskervilles, and ended up marrying Bernard Robinson. And she's interviewed at length on that third disc, on that Blu-ray that you've got. A lovely lady, looks barking mad. Um <laughs> She says um, about making the uh, the costumes and the headdress for Anarka. It says uh, she says accuracy is hard sometimes. Though the headdress Anarka wears in a sarcophagus was proper, 
but Yvonne Furneaux thought it made her look ugly. That lovely gentleman Roy Ashton tried his best to persuade her to wear it properly, but she kept pushing it up to bare her forehead. Michael wants me to be beautiful, Robert remembered her saying. With time pressing, they allowed her to keep it high on her head, finished wrapping her shroud around her and nestled her among the flowers. Just before the cameras rolled, Roy stepped forward, apologised as only he could and settled down her headdress in the correct place. He recalled that she wriggled a bit, but submitted. All right. So that's that. And then, going back to Jimmy Sankster, can't remember if, how many versions he watched. It says, um, in answer to his thing, because they quote him his book, I used all the same character names, but three. It says, well, it appears as though Sankster did watch three, because his screenplay of The Mummy essentially combines the story elements of the Karloff original, The Mummy's Tomb, and The Mummy's Ghost. Terence Fisher, on the other hand, refused to see the originals. As neither Universal nor Hammer were about to fix what wasn't broken, they decided to reunite the team that they had already had such success on on the previous Gothic horrors. And Fisher was the only director considered. And Fisher says, I no longer had any recollection of them. He's talking about the original Mummy films. They were re-shown at the studio, but I wouldn't see them. There are certain key scenes in the Mummy which you can't get away from, but the similarities are in the script only. So he never watched any of the things. No, which is strange, that, isn't it? You'd think, uh, you'd think they would, doing, bearing in mind that you know they're, they're doing ostensibly a remake. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a shame. I mean, yeah, I do. I agree that I think there's so many elements from all of the films in this screenplay. That I think he did watch them. Perhaps it's because they are literally like 60 minutes long, each one. We were real sort of um, uh, sort of uh, filler films to add into a double bill. Yeah. Um, so perhaps he just, perhaps they just blurred for him. Yeah. Um, it says here, uh, um, one last bit from this book and then I've got one bit from another book and then we'll get into it um, uh, Sangster's screenplay features some enjoyable razzmatazz in its twists on the Universal films he kept the scroll of life from the Karloff original that is used to revive the mummy rather than the Tana leaves that were used in the 1940 series he yeah. took the Banning family from the mummy's tomb and the idea of Princess Anaka, Karasig's ill-fated lover from the mummy's ghost in his final script, Anarka was not reincarnated as in the Universal series, but Banning's wife bore an uncanny resemblance to her. Perhaps most amusing was the switch Sangster pulled on the Banning character. In the original films, Karis had a pronounced limp. In Sangster's version, it is Banning who has the limp. Okay? Yeah, I, I got that in my notes. It was like, I was like oh, because normally, because Lon Chain is Karis, um, it was always amusing that he managed to catch anyone. Because he would yes. shuffle with a gammy yes. leg, a gammy arm. I mean, there's one. I think it's in the. Uh, I think it's in the Mummy's Ghost where he climbs uh, up into an upstairs bedroom on a trellis, picks up a, a lady, and carries her down. It's like he's got one gammy leg, one gammy arm. <laughs> How is he doing this? <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. Yes. And exactly. then one last thing before we talk about the film is that, you know, The Mummy was made in 1959. When we talked to Judy about Lust for a Vampire, yeah. there was talk about continental versions, wasn't there? There in, was, In the yes. 1970s. Yeah. It was going on in 1959, would you believe? All right. Because I have a quote here saying... Um, 
the entire flashback sequence, which Sangster had included at the behest of Michael Carreras, was filmed for British and American audiences with the Nubian handmaiden sporting diaphanous gowns, yes. but reshot at night on the same set without Terence Fisher's knowledge, with those same virgins topless, save for nipple covers. Purportedly for the Japanese market, the scene never made it into any surviving print of the film, nor did the explicit scene of Karras's tongue being viciously removed, which showed the said appendage. A front of the blood-soaked Lee, apparently neither sequence was ever submitted to the British Board of Film Classification. So, yeah, the film doesn't exist, but the notion of it was certainly there in 59. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, that they, they... it, even right at the beginning, yeah, they were doing different versions for different markets, which is is sort of quite clever. <coughs> it's hard to sort of imagine that today, isn't it? With mm. everything being released simultaneously, but yeah, back then, yeah, you could, you know, you you actually sent physical copies of the film to the country, so that's all they could see, whatever you sent them. So yeah, that, yeah. that does make sense. Yeah. All right. So sh- with that all, all done, shall we talk about the film? Yes, let's uh, let's jump in. Egypt, four thousand years ago, a land of strange rituals and savage cruelty. Many of their secrets are still hidden from the eyes of twentieth-century man. Secrets that protect their dead. Supernatural powers that once released can live again in our modern world. The Mummy, The Living Dead, bringing terror and death across 4,000 years. He was a high priest of the great god Karnak, until one night he attempted the ultimate in blasphemy. He was condemned to guard forever the princess he had loved and protect her from intruders. destroy those who desecrated the tomb of our princess. He who robs the graves of Egypt dies. He who robs the graves of Egypt dies. We start off with that fabulous score over the hieroglyphics yeah. at the beginning. It's a really nice set of credits. It's um, uh, a painting of like the Nile and Egyptian stuff with some very uh, very Egyptian music playing. Um, but it's a good score. Did you watch it in uh, the Academy ratio or 1.66 to 1? No, in Academy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we get a certifiable date, don't we? 1895. We do. Yep. That, Can that, add that to our list. It doesn't say Egypt, but where else would well, they be? Well, to me, it doesn't look like Egypt. It looks like the set from the Bombay Stranglers. Well, you know where the uh, they attacked the caravan in the tents. Yes, true. But it looks exactly like that. All through this opening bit, and especially you know the flashback sequence, I'm just thinking, carry on up the jungle. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's um, this is all uh, on the set, isn't it? There's no no. There's, There's no, no location, location at all. Filming. Which is just as well, because it would just look like you're in a quarry. 
Yes. Which they would have been. Well, they would have been, yeah. Uh, it's an ideal place for Abbott to do it in a quarry. Uh, the music was by Franz Reisenstein. Reisenstein, yeah. Well, it's a and... great name for a horror actor, isn't it? Like, it'd be, you know. But he's the composer. There's yeah. there, there's no uh, mention of why the regular guy didn't do the music, but this guy did a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a great. It's very score. epic, it's really isn't it? Yeah. it? It's very. Um, it's doing Cleopatra. a lot of the heavy lifting, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and, do like. Uh, I love it when we we see uh, we see archaeologists on movies at work, and I love this because what they're doing just isn't archaeology, is it? No, nope. uh, this, this is digging. Yeah. <laughs> this is digging. There's no yeah. There's no um, grid work. There's no plan to this. They're literally just randomly digging in a hole. And I love that you've got um, like some some round up uh, Egyptian extras digging a hole, and then you've got. Uh, um, John's father, I can't remember what his name was. Stephen. Stephen Banning. Um, he uh, he's just stood there watching, bored, and then he goes, oh, oh and he picks a, a lovely badge. It's like, so you, and then if you weren't stood there, would they have just gone? Nah, that's yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, I love the fact as well is they uh, uh, they find they find this uh, they say it's a badge, don't they? Of, yeah. of it could it's belonging going, it could to one be, of the guards. Yeah, it could be one of the guards dropped it at her very entombing, and then it cuts to we we get some other scenes which we've discussed. But then when it cuts back and it's like we've uncovered the tomb, it's literally two feet away on the wall. Yeah, the doorway. It's like oh okay okay. But this is the brilliant. Set. But this is the brilliance of Jimmy Sangster because as I said before, you know he was production manager. Manager. He knows how much money. How far the money can yes, go? Exactly. You can't. You can't have an establishing shot of a pyramid. So you write into the script that she died, and on the way back to, yeah. <laughs> to where yes. she's going to go to the pyramid, they bury her in a cliff face because you yeah. can make a cliff face no problem. Yeah, we've got we've got cliff faces in the scenery store, but pyramid that's out the window, mate. And, and to be fair, I'd rather they spend money on the important sets than this this little bit where they're digging it doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of difference <coughs> i would i love the amount of fake sweat everyone is doused yeah. in in vaseline to make them look sweaty which is just uh, i love that it's like yeah it, it was probably cold as well wasn't yeah. it? i'm surprised just how young peter cushing looks when we first see him and uh, um, he's given it his all and he he's just so full of energy yes, even though he's got yeah. a limp um, it's such a supercharged performance. I mean, I'm so used to seeing Peter Cushing in, in you know, the late 60s, 70s, um, you know, where he was, you know, bless him, he, he was getting on a bit. But here yeah, he's, 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 he's... He's a young man. And he's, yeah, he's got so much energy and passion. He's putting so much into this performance. It's a great performance. Um, yeah, he's he's got a gammy leg, but he he doesn't want to go back and have it set because they would all have to go back uh, to get him back to air quote civilization so you can see a doctor because they didn't bother bringing any medical stuff on this, on this very poorly planned uh, uh, expedition. Um, so he's decided that no, no, just give it another week. Let's just keep digging. But in the meantime, his leg is, is just setting badly, isn't it? Mm. Um, and we meet, <coughs> we meet this. So we've got John Banning, who's Peter Cushing. We've got, Steve Banning, who, if every time you say Steve Banning, I think of Steve Bannion. Is you know the the Trump nut yeah. job. Um, 
And you've got Joseph. Joseph, yeah. And I love it that he keeps calling him Uncle Joe. Mm. Um, yeah, Uncle Joe. That's that's not that's not a good name for an archaeologist, is it? Also, there's not that many years between those two actors. No, that's true. I in my notes, I actually put there's not a lot of difference between these two generations, is there? No. Um, but it's it, yeah, it's nice, and it this is purely a way of keeping Peter Cushion out of the tomb, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, when it's opened. Um, so it's, it's 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 clever in its own right, and it does give his character a little bit of difference. In that, yeah, he's he's got a a limp. I I also um, while watching this sequence, I couldn't help but think of um, Monty Python's Archaeology Today skit. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, uh, you're, you're very tall. You're six foot six. Um, but they 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 uh, they stayed a week. <coughs> Pardon me. They stayed a week. Uh, the leg gets gammier. I bet that's smelling as well. And uh, they find the tomb. And I love it that it's just like uh, a breeze block wall, isn't it? Yes. With like three bricks missing. Um, Interesting. They obviously did, did some sort of, sort of research on, on Tutankhamun because the, I like the seal on the door. It's a rope seal, which is exactly what. That's what it was. uh, Tutankhamun had. Um, And they think this is, uh, this is the the tomb of uh, Princess Ananka, um, who was from Universal. She was yes. in one of the Universal ones. Um, everyone has incredibly high waisted trousers. Oh, you, well, you would spot that, wouldn't you? I, I was just how did how did the British win an empire with such high waisted trousers? I, I don't know how it how it happens. Um, and then um, as they're opening the tomb. Up pops Eric. Up pops Eric in brown face. We were saying when we did uh, um, <coughs> Stranglers of Bombay, yes. was George Pastel browned up? Do you think yes. he is here? He is here. I think he's definitely browned up here because um, he, he's certainly not this dark-skinned in uh, Tomb of the Cybermen. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, he's browned up um, uh, with a fez on, of course. Um, and he's he warns him. And normally in, in the Universal ones, you've got all these wonderful uh, sort of old legends and curses. And in this one, it's a bit, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Because he goes, there's an ancient saying, he who robs the graves of, graves of Egypt dies. I, like, mm. I like the way they just go, mind your own business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go <off>. away. <laughs> we're, we're carrying on digging. Um, but we, didn't we have a... Because this is, this, is, this is almost the crazy Ralph character, isn't it? The person saying, don't do this. You're doomed. Mm. So he's not quite a barkeep, is he? He's not the barkeep or the villager no. that does this. Uh, and it turns out he's the villain anyway. You know, he has got a good reason for telling them not to, to dig. Um, no authorities in Egypt at this point. No. He could have gone to the authorities and got them stopped. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's like, you know, the guardian we see, um, you know, the guy who used to be in Mind Your Language um, yes. in Indiana Jones and uh, The Last Crusade, yeah. where you've got these people just down through the generations, they're guardians of the tomb. Yes. Yeah, know? I think so. That's got to be a, that's got to be a sort of a weird setup, that, isn't it? Because up till now, he, his, his family have had nothing to do. So do you think it's like, you know, three generations back, you've got an old old fella go into a young fella and get a pass on the secret. You've got to protect the tomb. Oh, did you have anything happen in your lifetime? No. 
Well, none of it's happened for 4,000 years. Yeah. I've just been sat there watching it. Hmm. Perhaps someone will come along next year. Yeah. Uh, very strange. The um, They ignore him anyway. They they, they enter the, 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 the tomb. Um, and this is the, this bit, the sort of antechamber, it's very uh, sparsely decorated, isn't it? It looks very, I don't want to say cheap, but it looks very empty. I do like the colours, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very nice colourful. It's a good restoration, this uh, Blu-ray. Very, I recommend that. Um, they find the Royal Seal of Ananka. Um, the rope does look a bit nylon-y, but, yeah. you know, I'll let them off. Um, I kept ex- expecting to find Sutek. It's so reminiscent of that yeah. scene in Pyramids of Mars. <coughs> I like the go. recess in the wall with the painting yeah. of, of the hands holding it. Holding the the scroll of life jar. Yes, yeah, it's it, it, it's very nicely done. The um the door into the tomb is is got a touch of the kitchen cupboard doors to me though. Yeah, I expect a big thick con you know a, a rock door, and it's a very thin sort of plywood chipboard door. Um, and the tomb is spectacularly well lit. Yeah. When they go, considering in. all they've got is yeah. candlelight, except well, when they go in, you've got the green light from the Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, I don't know where that green light's coming from. And then it goes away as soon as yeah, they go in. It turns off. What's really interesting, and I, I'm I'm sure it's nothing but coincidence, you know. I do, but when they go in, they open the door. They go in. The music, it's a Raiders Lost Ark. You know the the Ark theme. I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's like I rewound it. It's like, wow, did did uh, John Williams watch this? I don't know, but it's it's probably just coincidence. But it's really yeah. Have a listen and see what you think. Um, it weirdly, the floor looks like it's astroturfed in the tomb. <laughs> you know, like you used to get in butchers. Yeah, it looks like that. Um, <coughs> but yeah, she was a high priestess of Karnak. Um, uh, and then the what's his name Steve Steve Banyan he he tells Uncle Joe that, to go go to and, go yeah and tell and John it's like, you'd never do that in a tomb no no you you, you don't stay by yourself you no, you ask no. for trouble and then don't take that thing out of the recess I yeah. do like the sand starts trickling out because it's yes. activated the uh, the door mechanism to yeah, open the cupboard it is and then the cupboard door opens um, we don't know who's in there. We can sort of probably guess in a film called The Mummy. Especially, yeah, I mean, this is, what, you know, 15 years after the the uh, Universal ones. Everyone's, yes. most, Everyone's well, expecting. Well, the grown-ups most probably have seen yeah. this, yeah. But we don't really see, do we? We don't, we don't see anything. No, um, not now. Not we now. Don't. We get it in flashback. Um, yeah, and then it, uh, the, the, the Steve, you just hear a scream when Uncle Joe's talking to John in the tent. That's a loud scream, considering is he's loud, inside yeah. a, inside a cliff, you know. But they hear the <coughs> scream all the way from the tent. Yeah, um, we we do re- like say we revisit it later. But then um, uh, then we we see Cushion, and he he's one of the only people I've ever seen that doesn't suit a pith helmet. It really doesn't suit his face. Does he wear one in she? Oh, he might do. Because he's got a goatee yeah. and he's a bit older come yeah, she, isn't he? We'll have to better. compare yeah. compare Peter's helmets, is yeah. what I'm suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, perhaps we'll have a Peter's helmet chart. 
know. We My wife we is giving me such a uh, <laughs> disparaging look right now. She knows where this conversation's going, and she's going to hear one half of it. <laughs> she she knows us well. Um, the uh, the the we find out about a throwaway line about his wife Isabel, David's wife Isabel. Yeah. Because um, yeah, we don't we don't see anything of her. We, he's not introduced, but he mentions that. Uh, his wife Isabel, um, and they, everyone. He, he says uh, there's something evil in the tomb, Uncle Joe. Mm. You can which feel I thought was, it. yeah, you can feel it, and it's like, oh, Uncle Joe. That's, you can't, you can't have the words Uncle Joe in a sentence that's meant to be creepy. Yeah, you can't have Didn't, the word evil and no, Uncle yeah. Joe in one line. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. But uh, yeah, so so they're they're packing up the camp, aren't they? I love the way um, they're going to blow it up. Yeah, why? I didn't work that one out. It's like we've we've ransacked all the all the uh, the relics we want to steal for the British Museum. So let's blow let's it all up. Let's blow it up. That's the, they're worse than Indiana Jones as archaeologists. Yeah. Well, Mehmet Bay doesn't take that well, does he? No, he, he, he does he's not, swearing right. revenge for their desecration. Um, and he will enter the tomb to find the means. I guess. Ah, I guess the reason you blow it up is you've got to find out why it takes three years for his yes. revenge to uh, be enacted. Because we, we fast forward to 1898 Englefield yes. in England. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, I suppose uh, they got to relocate back to England because we, we, we've only got the one set and enough sand to cover that. So it has to go back to England. And you've got to allow, like say, for that time gap... So that probably is the entire reason why they blew up the, the yeah. passage, um, because Eric had to dig out Karis, didn't he? Yes. Um, but and they go to uh, they they sort of say that um, Steve's Steve's been put into a mental asylum, um, and those front gates they they go to the front gates. I'm sure that's the same gates from the Bide We Rest Home in Carry On Screaming. <laughs> we have to keep an eye out. Yeah. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Stephen's been silent for three years, but now yes. he's talking and he wants to see John, doesn't he? Yeah, the doctors think he's got his mind back. He's not said anything for three years. Um, and he he wants to speak to John. Um, and he says, uh, basically, I don't know where he got all this from. Where is he getting all this? From? I don't. I don't know. Did he have a little chat with uh, with Karis? But Karis can't speak. He can't open his mouth. He's got no tongue. Um, but he says there was a second mummy, uh, which will kill them all, because um, they've broken. Because and it was, how do you know this? He must sense it because this is yeah. coinciding with the um, um, you know these guys who have who are in the pub, and they've got to take these relics yes. up to the big old house, haven't they? They've yes, got to be delivered to a foreigner. It's the classic um, Hammer comedy yokels, isn't it? These yeah, two. Yeah. Um, this yeah, could they... have been Michael Ripper. Michael Ripper's in the film, but he could have been yes. one of them, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly could have been. Um, but yeah, he uh, they they've been hired by. I love the fact, and probably one. Do we have a, a dodgy rating? No, we don't have a dodgy tally, no, like but this one. would have gone on it. Yeah, it would have gone on where he goes. Uh, he, uh, don't trust him. He's a foreigner. And then the other guy goes, yeah. he can't help that poor devil. Yeah, <laughs> he can't help not being British. No, oh, I did actually laugh out loud. So the comedy does work. You know what? They come outside, and he goes, um, 
uh, it's a dog. And he goes, no, it's a horse. No, no, no. He says a man's best friend is a it's dog. It's a dog, yeah. It's a what? A dog. No, that's a horse. Horse. <laughs> yeah, that was quite was funny. Like, I like that. <laughs> Don't wait, these two. But um, the, uh, yeah, the, the they've picked... I don't know where they've got the. They don't really say where they're taking. What we find out to be Karis in a crate, to the house that that Eric has rented. Yes. But where are they taking him from? Train station, I thought. Oh right, is that what it is? So literally, he's just got here. And they just stop yeah. for a quick one in the yeah. pub on the way. British workman, best and in as, the world. Yeah, and as they go off. They go, that's from the nut house because they hear Stephen smashing the window because yeah. he can sense the mummy is near and that's when they yeah. lose control and that's when the crate goes in the well, they, convenient bog at the side of the road. Yeah, um, yeah, Steve causes his own downfall, doesn't he? Yeah. Because if he hadn't have broke the window, they the horse wouldn't have bolted, Karis wouldn't have fell in the bog and none of this would have happened. No, he would still have gone after him, yeah, but just not in this way. way. Yeah. yeah, I um, and this bog thing. This so this is from um the 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 last serious mummy film, which I think was called Curse. Uh, I did have a list of them, but I've lost it. Uh, the Mummy's Curse, because in that, uh, Caris had been left in a bog in uh, New England that dried up and suddenly moved to Louisiana. <laughs> We love the continuity in Universal <laughs> films. So yeah, he definitely watched. He definitely watched up to the last film <coughs> to get this. But it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I d- I didn't remember this at all. So yeah, the 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 horse bolts, the crate falls into the bog and sinks, and then we get uh, a scene of them dredging, trying to find it, dig it out of the bog, um, and the the you get a comedy policeman. But in an interesting turn of things, normally you would expect when the Egyptian appears, when Eric appears, that the policeman would treat him badly because he's a foreigner. But he's very courteous, isn't he? Yeah. Call him sir and everything. It's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Normally I, you wouldn't get that. I like the way this is three years later and Mehmet Bay yeah. looks exactly the same. Yes. Hasn't changed. I also like that they, um, the policeman says the the bog is bottomless. Bottomless. They always bottomless are, bog. aren't they? Quicksand yeah. is always bottomless. No, that's have not strictly ever, true. Have you? Yeah, definitely not true. Have you ever uh, come across a bog? In in the bog sense of the word, yeah, rather not than just toilet. Because I've I've used many a yeah. toilet. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen some. Bog, I've seen some bog. bog. I I don't. The nearest thing I've ever got to a bog or quicksand is when you're down on like the estuary and you're going for a walk yeah. and it's all marshy and boggy like that. But I just wonder, do you get in an otherwise? So I don't know where this is meant to be in England, but in an otherwise normal landscape, do you just suddenly get a bog? Well, not far from here, you've got Romney Marsh, okay? And that yeah. is very boggy land, okay? Uh, um, you know, I mean, eventually when we do Captain Clegg, uh, um, um, we'll talk about that. But but that's not boggy like this is boggy. No. Um, um, <coughs> but I guess that's just man... It's- draining things. I mean, it, yeah, it, it could... looks like the same bog that we've got in Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah, you know? it does, actually. Yeah, it's probably the same same bit. Um, I suppose we just have to accept this village has got a bog. Yeah. The village bog. Um, Eric Eric comes back after everyone's gone, and he says a prayer to his uh, gods of Karnak, in English. Yeah. 
They're versatile cards, these, aren't they? And then we get um, uh, a lovely, a, a, a really, really good scene that I actually felt sorry for Christopher Leon, where he rises out of the bog. Christopher Lee will tell you that was him. It uh, was wasn't. It, it was uh, Eddie, see, Eddie Powell. See, I've read it was Christopher Lee. No. Oh, Eddie Powell. That's Eddie Powell. Eddie, the alien, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great scene, isn't it? It's so nicely done. He looks great all encrusted oh, in yeah. mud like that, doesn't he? Dripping wet, mud all over him. Um, yeah, really good sequence. Oh, I see, I thought, I'd read that it was Christopher Lee did all his No, if you read an in interview this. with Christopher Lee, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then you uh, see an interview with Eddie Powell, and no. It, yeah, bless Chris. He never lets down. <clears throat> um, the, yeah, uh, Eric sends um, Karis to kill Steve, who's in a padded cell. And we get another, straight on the back of one great scene, we get another just brilliant scene and scary. It is a creepy scene, it's, this. Uh, yeah, it's so good because this guy's stuck in a padded cell, bars on the window, and Chris Lee just appears. Well, the mummy. I don't, I, it might be Eddie Powell. And just absolutely batters the crap out of the bars and then climbs in. This is a very, very athletic mummy, isn't it? It's not the mummy we're used to. The thing is, I mean, this must have been startling for for um, viewers back then yeah. because because even to this day, you know, you see a, a comedy sketch show where you've got a mummy and it's dragging the leg and you've got the, the cloth being dragged behind it and you've got the one arm yeah. just pulled up to the body and everything. And uh, But suddenly you've got this energised, you know, um, um, you know, hugely menacing mummy that's yeah. quick. Um, yeah, yeah, it must have been a, a startling for them. I think it must have been. And, and it's something that makes sense, doesn't it? Because I imagine Jimmy Sankster watching the originals and noticing that, that for, <laughs> pe- for people to be killed, they have to stand there and not run away and almost throw themselves into Karis's one good hand. Yeah, so he's probably thought, okay, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make this a threatening mummy. It's, it's really good. It's great, and I love the next scene as well, which we don't normally get in horror films, where you've got Uncle Joe and John just reminiscing about uh, Steve. Yeah, you know, and talking about his life. It's ah, oh, this is this is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then it turns into an exposition flashback. Oh my god. It looks lovely, can I say? Oh, you no, know, it looks um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the colours look lovely. Um, um, Christopher Lee's headdress, Danaf push his ears out. He, he, he's quite jug-eared wearing that um, Do you, Do you think this sequence, which I'm presuming from what you said was much longer sequence, do you think this is the sequence that interested Christopher Lee in doing this film? Oh, absolutely. Because I can't see him wanting to do it just for the, the mummy bits. But this, I can see, this is right up his street, and he's, yeah. he's doing some proper acting, and um, uh, and, and he's yeah. very good. He's, he's slightly very good. browned up. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. I Even browned up, he doesn't look very Egyptian, now. does he? He doesn't. No. I don't. Chris Lee always looks the most English person you can get. Um, I love uh, an anchor's bed, which is like it's it's two uh, like um, leopards. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's like, you know, you see racing car beds, and it's like that, but with leopards. And it's like, oh, bless her. She had a nice bed. Um, <coughs> and But 
the, the, this sequence is meant to be John telling Uncle Joe yes. of the legend. Yes. But it's so precise. Yeah. Who? Where, where, where's this yeah, information where's this come coming from? from? Yeah. Because literally, he didn't know anything about Karis until his dad told him. And his dad has been in the mental institute basically a zombie for three years. Yeah. So where did this sudden, very, very detailed backstory of everything they need to know come from? Do you think it would have been better if we had had this at the beginning of the film and John and nobody else knows all about this? This is something we're in on and Karis is in on and Mehmet Bay is in on, but if this was at the beginning rather than a flashback? Yeah, I think so. That might have worked a bit better. I mean, I suppose it's that thing where you don't want to you don't want to play your hand too early. Um, but you, you're coming in to watch a film called The Mummy. So just do it in chronological order. It would have been quite good. You know, yeah. you could have had a great, you know, when they, when they finally uh, lock away Chris Lee, you could have had a, a, a flashing thing and it says, um, you know, 6,000 years later. Yeah. <laughs> could have done that. Um, I did in my notes put very sheer gowns the handmaidens are wearing. So that does fit in with your... Uh, very, very. Very Yes. Sheer, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's not really any of the usual <coughs> hammer um, cleavage shots in this. No, because this is still 1959, isn't it? Yeah. Um, did you notice that when the uh, the Nubian slaves uh, or the Nubian slaves kill the girls, why are their blades already bloody? There was blood already yes, on, their, on, on their choppers. It, yeah, well, no one wants a bloody chopper, do they? No. Um, and I imagine. Because it's quite blood. Other than that, you don't really see anything in this, do you? It's all reaction shots. So I wonder if, if that's something else that would have been a bit stronger, in the Japanese cut. Yeah, it's just like I say that the walk before we get to that bit where you've got these poor women just being beheaded. You've got the walk through the. Uh, you know they're on their way back to her home place, and it looks so much like. Carry on up the jungle. I was yes. expecting the Uslan bird, yeah. the feather of the Uslan bird, to be there's, there. There's a huge crossover in, I suppose, because the Carry On films were copying Hammer, weren't they? So there's a huge crossover in the visuals of these films, and it does sometimes. You go, oh, that's funny. I love that when Chris Lee, when Karis is uh, is caught trying to um, resurrect the uh, the princess for his own purposes he tries to get out of it on the technicality doesn't he they say something like uh, uh it's forbidden to use these to use the the scroll on a princess and she goes well she's, she's dead so she's not technically a princess anymore it's like didn't work didn't they work cut your tongue out you know, they tuck it cut his tongue out wrap him up and bury him alive in a secret cupboard basically yeah and and they they sort of say about they put him in a cupboard so that he's there ready to protect the the princess in the afterlife and all this. So Peter Cushion is reading this. Yes. I'm presuming it must have come out the notes that John had. So John must have known there was a secret compartment when he was alone in the tomb. Yeah. So why why wasn't they worried about that and looking or... for that? the information that John has got, they found on scrolls when they emptied the tomb out. Oh, I suppose it could be that. Like, after uh, Stephen had yeah. gone mad. <coughs> like finding the instructions at the bottom of the box after you've made the kit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, then we get another comedy bit with, 
Is this our first Michael Ripper appearance? It is the first time we've talked Yay! about him, yes, as, as a drunken poacher. He's brilliant, yes. He is very good, and, you know, we could do a Michael Ripper count, but everybody does that, so that's why yep. we're going to stay with Sam Kidd. Sam Kidd, So we'll yep. mention the brilliant Michael Ripper, but we're not going to tally him. Okay? Yeah, he, he's, a, <clears throat> he's, a, he's, like you say, he's a poacher, and he spots the mummy, and then he goes to the pub, and we get this little comedy sequence in this dodgy pub where... He can't believe what he's saying, and no one really believes what he's saying, and he's getting a lot of yeah. drinks. Um, classic, uh, classic comedy bit. Yeah, I was expecting a surly uh, innkeeper, but no, yes. the innkeeper's uh, all right, so he don't go on our list. No, no, we haven't had that many surly innkeepers. We've got yet. two surly yeah. innkeepers so far. I'm missing um, them. This film, <coughs> you know. Um, it's another one of those ones where if I want to watch a Hammer film, I don't automatically think of going to it. And because of that, I don't watch it that often. And therefore, I forget bits. And I completely, every time, forget when Joseph says goodnight to John. He leaves the study. He walks, and you've got the front door in the background. And then yeah. without any, you know... No messing about, yeah. No messing about. No um, building up the tension or anything. Yeah. That There's not... a a, a shot of the door to make you signal that oh something's going to happen bam the door breaks open and yep. in comes Karis because you normally you would have you know a shot of of Karis outside shuffling about then you'd have a shot of Uncle Joe saying goodnight going upstairs and he goes in his room but the windows open the curtains are flapping mm, that's unusual and then a shot of uh, Uncle Joe getting ready for bed and he closes the door and then the hand comes out but no nothing it's just yeah um Karis just kicks the door in like uh, uh gene hunt and uh kills him yeah no messing about whatsoever and <coughs> when he kills him same as it when he kills Stephen, yeah. i like the way and i don't know if it's a stage direction or or christopher lee but just to show the power that's in this this creature to kill both of them one-handed yeah, you know, is brilliant. I, it might be a nod back to the old yeah, I think universal Karis, ones where, but, Karis, but yeah. it, both both <coughs> of his arms work. But he, he's so strong, he can kill somebody just with one hand. Yeah, it, it, it's really well done. Um, uh, yeah, he's gone, and we we cut to uh, um, Eric, um, and he's uh, again using the the, the scroll, um, and it works in whether it's said in English or Egyptian. Yeah. It's a yeah. very universal scroll. Before <clears throat> that, though, we've got, you know, John talking to the inspector. And, yes. and and we get another flashback. We get a flashback to something we've already seen. It's quite yeah. a lengthy bit. We could have just had the bit of, you know, Stephen reading the scroll. And then you see, you know, Karis, the door opening and Karis. But instead, we get a, a recap of something we've only saw, yeah, what, yeah, like you know, like 40 minutes ago. before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, they could have added that. Because... In the original Karloff mummy, that's what we get. We get a sequence of of the the young guy reading the the scroll, and then the mummy wakes him. And I think that would have been nice because we don't see the mummy for quite a while in this film. And I think that would have been a nice bit to have it in in the continuity of when it happened. Mm. Uh, that would have been good. It, it would be good. But no, we get yeah, we get it in flashback, um, and uh, we find out that. John's wife is the image, just randomly, the image of an anchor. Yeah, Slashing, you um, you say haven't that don't see for quite a while. Up she pops. We finally get to see Isabel, don't we? Yes, yeah, yeah. We've heard about her, and she hasn't really appeared. And then she she appears, um, 
and it's a bit late, isn't it? It's like she should have been in at the beginning. She should have been on the expedition with them. Yeah. And the reason John didn't go into the tomb is because something happened to her. Yeah. And he had to tend to her. And he, but no, it's like it's almost like she's an afterthought. Which like I say it's a shame because she's she does a really good job, I think. She's really good. I think this yeah. is her only hammer film. Um um, he knows he's next, doesn't he? John knows yes. he's next. He, he, he's waiting. He, he's unlocked the gun cabinet. He's got, and, he's got his shotgun out. Because eh, he knows Karis is on his way. And I, 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 I like the pacing up and down in front of those huge, great, bloody yeah. French windows. Because, of course, the exterior is Bray Studios, isn't it? It's those yes. big bay windows yeah. overlooking the River Thames. So they've recreated it indoors. Recreated them for the set. I, uh, I think I'd want more than that crow gun that he's got, though. Mm. That little shotgun. It's like, I'd, I'd be wanting the uh, Vickers machine gun set. Um, <laughs> Couple of hand but grenades. Yeah, but yeah, we get a really good fight though, don't we? Oh, that's smashing in through yeah. the window again. Yeah. You know? It's great, yeah. No messing around. And do- doesn't Peter Cushing throw himself into it? Oh, you know, yeah. He's selling it. When when Karis grabs him by the neck, <laughs> he's well, shaking this, his head around. This is sort of the opposite of... Uh, the scene in Dracula, isn't it? at the end, where it's it's Van Helsing chasing Dracula. This time you've got Chris Lee chasing uh, Peter Cushion, and yeah, it's oh, so much energy in this fight. Yeah, um, and it's it's great. It's such a good sequence. And um, famously, yeah. it's the the moment that John reaches up and gets that spear and shoves it yes. through the mummy is. Peter Cushing saying he had already seen the the, the poster, poster art yeah. and the poster art has it's not a shotgun blast it's a policeman in the background um, he's shining his lantern yeah yeah and so and it's just a light shining through a hole yeah. in the mummy and he's like uh we're cheating the audience somebody might see that poster and th- expect to that see something like that in the film yeah yeah well, isn't that wonderful though he's always thinking of the audience yeah um, and it's quite a good sequence because, yeah, um, Karis just snaps it off, doesn't he? He leaves it embedded in him and snaps it off. Um, and he's been shot with the shotgun. Um, and it, it, it doesn't really phase him. Um, no. And he is going to kill John. If Isabel hadn't come in, uh, he, John would be dead as well. Yeah, and, I think uh, so. But, but um, yeah, Isabel comes in and we get some great... Act, you feel so sorry for Karis, don't you? Yeah. Just from Christopher Lee. Yeah, he's not it, saying it's, anything. It's just with his eyes. <laughs> yeah. All he's got is his eyes and his and his body language. And when he sees Isabel and recognises yeah. Isabel, there's such a look of pathos that, you know, she's seeing me like this, you know? Yeah. Um, is, it, it's, it's fantastic. For him. Hmm? Ring. When he sees Isabel, Isabel ringing. Oh, no. dear. Um, that was yeah, so bad, really, I didn't even spot it. Yeah, you didn't. It just went sailed <laughs> right over. Uh, yeah, it's great. I normally, I'm normally not a great fan of Christopher Lee, as you know, and I, I think he's very overrated. But this is superb work. Yeah, yeah. You know. And he just leaves. He leaves. Yeah. Still with the spear stuck through him. Yeah, he's sort of... He's confused, isn't he? He's like, oh, this is this is above my pay grade. I'm going back to see what Eric says. And he's just, yeah, he just he just legs it. <coughs> um, the, yeah, the, the the police are sort of, they don't believe him and they, uh, John, and they say to John, don't, don't go and confront the Egyptian guy. Yeah, that's the, don't blame the father. He says the Egyptian up at the big yeah. house and John's like, what Egyptian? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know until we're, we're what, maybe 20 minutes from the end of the film yeah. that, that actually there's, there's a strange Egyptian just down the road. 
Yeah, and it's great. But of course, John then goes to see him to to sort of check what's happening and G him up if it is the villain. And it's a, a wonderful scene of just two guys talking, being uber polite, even though ne- the other they hate each other. They know that they that they're enemies. And we get this wonderful philosophical discussion about, which is very timely, given the, uh, you know, Egypt wants the, uh, or Greece wants the marbles back. It's very timely. And I'm with Eric on this. He's he's saying, you English, you come across, you ransack our tombs. You, you know, you're, you're basically, uh, you know, treating our dead with no respect, nicking the stuff back. And, it's wrong. Yeah. But and they're like, so yeah. polite. They're oh, all so wonderful. polite to each it's other. A, it's a polite... This is a sparring match, isn't it? This is them, you know, playing chess with each other sort of thing, testing weaknesses, and um, it's really good. It's a great scene. <laughs> um, and then they, uh, they, they set up... The police set up a cordon round uh, David's house... I like the way um, the inspector now believes. Yes, John. Well, he sort of, I quite like this because he sort of goes, uh, "I don't really believe it, but all the evidence is pointing this way, so I'll go with the evidence." Mm. It's like brilliant, excellent, great skeptic thinking. Well done. Um, but then he does something stupid because he goes, uh, "He goes, I'll look after Mrs. Banning." Goes outside and then says, "You stay you here." You stay here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to check on my thing. Uh, it's like you idiot. Yeah. Um, and then he gets uh, he gets bopped on the head, doesn't he? Yeah, but Mehmet's already stabbed Michael Ripper in the back. That's true, yes. He's already killed Michael Ripper. Yeah, and then Blake, who's one of the yep. uh, policemen, he's killed. But, but yeah, he, uh, the inspector, for some reason, just gets knocked on the head. Yeah. Rank has its privilege. Yes. Um, uh, it's a terrible plan, this, isn't it? It's a terrible, terrible plan. Because um, they already know that the shotguns don't really work on him. Yeah. And yet their plan is... Let's wait and shoot them with shotguns. Um, but yeah, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Bannon, she's the only sensible Isabel. She's the only sensible one in all of this. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, she gets. Um, does she get kidnapped at this point? No, he, the, the mummy breaks in, doesn't it? Yeah, breaks into the house. We have another fight, um, um, and Caris ignores her because her hair is up. And John says, "Let yeah. your hair down." And then it's like, oh. Oh, you're her. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, uh, he wouldn't recognise uh, Superman with Clark Kent, would he? Yes. Yeah. Karis. And he she orders Karis to stop, yep. doesn't she? Yep. But, yeah, but so Mehmet's again, like, and... kill her, Karis, yeah. kill her. And that look that Christopher yeah, Lee gives Mehmet Bay, Mehmet Bay should leg it out of there real quick. Oh, he, he would be shitting himself. It's it's really good. He, uh, yeah, it's like, oops, <laughs> what have I done? And um, Karis, quite quite violently picks him up snaps his back yeah so wow okay no messing about there um and then Karis grabs isabel don't know what he's going to do with her but he's he's taking her back to the bog any yeah they could they could live happily in a bog ever after <laughs> um and uh yeah the policemen turn up again uh and they they let Karis take uh isabel into the bog but uh john says to her Tell Karis to put you down, which is a bit risky in it because this is a bottomless bog. Yes, this is true. I'd love it if he had to put her down and she just sunk and drowned. Do the Oliver Hardy in the yeah. puddle moment yeah. and just disappears. That yeah, would have been brilliant. Um, 
and then they uh, they blow Karis uh, to pieces, basically. Yeah, and he sinks holding yeah. the scroll in his hand. Yeah, and then it just uh, ends. We yeah. have the end, don't no, we? No, no sort of catch-up sequence. No, nothing. It's just yep, he's gone. No, he's well, dead. Inspector or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we dragged the the uh, bog, but we couldn't find anything. Nah, it's just uh, he's sunk. He's gone. Don't worry yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, and we never in none of the sequels pick up on this point. It's it's totally different, isn't it? We don't each really... time it's different. Yeah. yeah. We never we never find out what happens to Karis. Um, but yeah, what a what a corking little film. It is a corker, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right behind the scenes, uh, the mummy um, um, was Roy Ashton, of course, and I think it's brilliant because you know, um, you know, Egyptian stuff is very old and will yeah. continue being very old. Um, that it won't get any newer, I doubt. No, it won't, it won't going to be any newer. But he he would go to the British Museum. Yeah. To a particular mummy and take sketches, and he's based, you know, the makeup on well, that the, mummy, which is the still there. Yeah. It's still, oh, it's, on, actually, right, it's, it's still, still there, still yeah. on on show, so you can go there yeah, right. and see the the dead person that Roy Ashton based this one on. As we uh, philosophically discuss whether we should uh, ransack other people's uh, corpses. Yes. There's one yeah. in the British Museum. Yeah. I always find that weird. I went, even at school when we went there, it's like, these are people. They're yeah. foreign people. That shouldn't make a difference. These were alive people yeah. when you've dug them up. It's just, it's very weird. A small aside here, right? Yes. And and then I'll carry on. I was watching a thing about uh, the Battle of Waterloo. Oh, right. Yep. 1815. Yep. yep. They estimate... Have you been there? Yeah, I've been to Waterloo. Run up the Lion Mound, almost killed myself. Okay. Almost had a heart attack. Yeah, I was dressed as sharp. And this, uh, <laughs> of course you were. Of course I was. <laughs> and this um, this uh, coach of Japanese tourists turned up, and they were just taking my photo and that. And I don't know whether they thought I was like... Let me there know you were a, a ghost. Exhibit. Yeah. But yeah, it was quite quite surreal. But yeah, it's good, it's good for a visit. Hmm. The reason I mention it is I was watching this program and they reckon about uh, 15,000 people died. Yeah. And there are accounts, written accounts, there are drawings, there are paintings of mass graves being uh, yeah. uh, uh, dug and bodies put in. But they've only ever found two human remains there. And they've never found any more. And they were saying about, they reckon some of them would have been taken off and buried, you know, in local churchyards. But an awful lot of them would have been shipped back to England and ground up as bone meal. Yes, yeah. Well, there was a, there's a thing called um, Waterloo Teeth. And so... Oh, they were false teeth from dead yes, people, so they, weren't they? Yes, so they would break the teeth out of the, the poor soldiers' skulls to, to use as false teeth so you could buy sets of Waterloo teeth. Uh but yeah the most of the bodies that that weren't claimed by the families and remember most of the soldiers were from very, very poor backgrounds mm-hmm. so families wouldn't have been able to afford to to do anything with the bodies. Yeah, they were they ended up as um uh, as uh, mulch and bone meal. Isn't that um, and the, these were living people. Yeah, living people. Well, yeah. when um, when they come to do so, uh, there's a fam- famous quote when they when they unveiled the uh, the lion mound. They built this basically. They dug they dug all the earth up out of the Waterloo battlefield and piled it up to make the lion mound, which is a big, massive, great big uh, hill with steps going up, and you can go up top of it, and there's 
stuff at the top of it. And um, Wellington, when he visited, said, what have you done to my battlefield? You've absolutely ruined it. But when they were doing that, they they reckon that a lot of the a lot of the bodies were found and just left in that lion mound. So to, again, we didn't treat our own dead very well. No, no. Let alone treat an Egyptian dead. Good grief! Really. Um, Good grief. But yeah, it's shock. It really is shocking. Okay, no, I got three quotes now. Right. right, I'm back to that little shop of horrors special. This is from Christopher Lee. First, from Christopher <coughs> Lee. All right. He says, on the mummy, the charges placed under the bandages and the swamp sequences were two unpleasant moments. The technique of placing charges under the clothing was not new at the time, but it was a matter of touch and go or touch and blow, if you like, with everybody hoping for the best. I know I had burn marks all over my chest and diaphragm. Due to the amount of electricity and powder used, although a small amount, there was an inevitable blowback against the body underneath. One would wear t-shirts and padding underneath, but it wasn't enough. When Peter Cushing would fire at me, I would take a step back as an acting reaction, but I was almost through the roof each time too. It was as though I was being kicked by a horse with sharp hooves. The swamp sequence was uncomfortable for two reasons. I had to duck under the muck in order to come up at the call of action. It was wet and uncomfortable. The second problem was when I was carrying Yvonne Fourneau across the swamp. I kept bumping into underwater obstacles, the plumbing they had rigged in the studio tank to provide the bubbles for swamp gas. If you had to walk through this water, which was not at all clear, carrying an unconscious person who are, whose arms cannot be around your neck to help carry herself, and you are whacking your shins against hard steel pipes that you can't see, you wish you'd consider, you had considerably thicker skin. I came out of that with my shins and thighs all black and blue, and the muscles in my arms and neck all strained from carrying a dead weight, even though she was not that heavy a girl. All right? Right. Right. Bear that in mind for the third quote. So that's the first quote. Second quote is um, from Roy Ashton, where he says uh, about Christopher Lee, he was most patient and cooperative, even though his mask didn't have any holes underneath the nose to breathe. It didn't occur to me that anything down there would be, would scarcely be visible anyway. So he, he had to inhale through his eye holes, which was not very comfortable for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he not only are you acting with your eyes you're breathing with your eyes yeah, it's the only way you could get air in and out is through your eye holes that's mad isn't it yeah right um here we go and final thing is eddie powell all right right are you ready it says here blah 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 um <clears throat> Here he goes. If I was an actor, I wouldn't put one foot in front of the other if it's in any way dangerous. That would be stupid. Why put yourself at risk just to get a few bruises or something? Just to say, I did it. They've got the acting part. They've got the money for that. With silly buggers like stuntmen coming along, they'll do it for a fee. All right. And then he says, talking about the differences between him and Christopher Lee, you can see the difference. You'll see that Chris has got a sharper nose than me. So if you look at the mask, you'll see it's sharper in outline. Chris actually smashed through the doors and he comes in and gets shot by Peter Cushing. It was all balsa wood and toffee glass and all that sort of thing. So really, he shouldn't have hurt himself. So he smashed through that. Then for the blast, shot blasts onto the chest, I had a, bre I had a breastplate yeah. underneath all the gear 
with a built-up section with explosive charges in, which was wired up to solenoid contacts on the fingertips. So when I pulled forward, I pressed one, and one charge knocked me one way. Then I took another couple of steps, and I pushed, pressed the other one, which knocked me back on that one. Then I ended up being washed down by all those people from wardrobe because of all the black charge had got into the suit. Okay. Now... We're going back to Christopher Lee to clarify, okay? He says, talking about what Eddie Powell said there, everything he said, of course, was quite true. He did have to go through the window in the scene where the mummy crashes through and grabs Banning, but what he didn't mention was that I also had to do it. I tried it, and then they, they wanted to do it again, and they asked Eddie to do it, and that's what's in the film. I was also in the swamp a lot, carrying the girl, carrying her dead weight and crashing through those pipes, tearing at my shins. Eddie did the surfacing at the beginning, and of course he did the end, where the head is blown to bits and he sinks under the water. Now with a shotgun blast in the chest where the mummy staggers back, yes, he also did that, but so did I. I did it in rehearsal with a much smaller charge. Mm. Mm. I I think... I, I was ready to give him the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> that we weren't there, we don't know, perhaps they did it and they didn't like the take, you know, that sort of thing. But they're not in rehearsal, they're not going to wire up their lead actor to take those shotgun blasts when it's not being filmed. You are not going to ask your lead actor to submerge himself, wrapped up like that, when he can only breathe through his eye holes and go underwater and then rise slowly up. Yeah, it just it makes no sense to go. Okay, Chris, you do it all first, then we'll get the stunt man in. That's not how it works. Given <coughs> given Christopher Lee's propensity to exaggerate the truth on more than one occasion, I think Eddie Powell did it. Yeah, they might have. I I quite believe that they they might have wanted close ups for Chris Lee, so they got him in the, just carrying her in the swamp and that. But they're not. They're not in rehearsals. They're not going to set up explosive squibs. No. Why? Why? It's an expense you wouldn't go to. It's a risk you wouldn't take. As Eddie said there, the actor gets the money for acting. The stuntman gets the money for doing the stunts. I think Chris Lee had this thing where he couldn't, in his own mind, he couldn't take that someone would do something he didn't do. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? What a weird. It's the actor's ego that yeah. you know you That's don't want to is, acknowledge that part of the attraction and and what people liked about your performance was yeah. that somebody else was doing a part of it. Yeah, it's the. Uh, I think it is that. It's just ego, isn't it? You yeah. can't you can't share the praise. No. no. Uh, but whatever happens, it was a great sequence. It is a great sequence, isn't it? And. Um, <laughs> Um, now we're going to vote on it all right yes. so we've got two horrors today we've got Mehmet Bay and we've oh, got right. the mummy so can we talk about Mehmet Bay first please okay uh, what do you do think of do the design, design of the yep. of the fezzed one well he is in a dictionary under the word uh um stock egyptian there's a picture of of uh, George Pastel yeah <laughs> um it's it's the classic brown face fares in it so i can't give it too high a design really i'm gonna give it a four snap all right and how effective is eric um i like him in it i think it's one of his i mean i've never seen him in a really poor role i'll never not be entertaining but i think this one fits and it's really good and he's quite 
like I say, he gets that wonderful scene where he's justifying what he does, and I I get to the end of it and go, yeah, you know what, mate, I'm sort of with you on this one. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm going to give him a seven. A seven. I gave him an eight. Oh, I'll, I'll go up to an eight as well. You're going up to an eight as well. Okay, that's an eight. All right. So if you add them two together, divide by two, that gives him a six. Six. Okay. All right. Um, and now the mummy then, old Karis. Karis. The design of Karis. Uh, the design is really good. It's a great mask because I like the fact that they cover up his mouth. Yeah. Because you, when you first see him, you go, why hasn't he got a mouth slit? And then you go, oh, it's because the, the bandages go over it. Yeah. It's really good. The, the, it looks good around the eyes. Um, you can still see it's Christopher Lee because it's obviously moulded off his face. Um, he's... Yeah, it, it it's a good mummy design. I like myself a good mummy, and that's a good mummy design. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it's an eight for design for me. I gave him a nine. Wow. Okay. All right, so that's eight and a half. And how effective was um, he? To me, it's a ten. Yep. It's a yep. ten. It's, it, it's, you know, in Doctor Who, when the little kid said, are you my mummy? Yeah. Uh, the answer for this is yes. Christopher Lee is my mummy. He's great. I love Karis in the Universal. I love Lon Shane, his uh, disgruntled act. But this is superb. It's a great bit of acting. It's a it's a scary mummy. It's quick. Um, yeah, ten out of ten all the yeah. way for me. Okay. Well, that. And in then... fact, I think I will raise to a nine to match you on the design as well. Oh, you're going up to a nine. Yeah. You've just messed up my voting. Sorry, because <laughs> it is a great, you're right, it is a great design. It is. They could I'm, have I'm... just gone, because I, I don't know which, what the next mummy one is, but I remember seeing one where it's like this, someone's wrapped in toilet paper type mummy in one of the hammers. That's the next one. Is it the next one? That's it's cursing terrible. the mummy's tomb. Yeah. And I'm so glad they didn't do that in this. Yeah. This All is right. like the 1959 equivalent of the tar man zombie from return the living dead and it? it's brilliant yeah, yeah really good well that 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 puts him in caravan 9.5 all oh, right okay, that's good and it mimic bay in caravan six right there isn't a caravan six at the moment oh, so he's on his own that's all right he'll enjoy that yep so he <coughs> goes there the nearest neighbor to him is 5.5 where you've got uh, uh frankenstein's creature from the curse oh. of frankenstein <laughs> all right and then yeah, 9.5 for the mummy. Puts him second from the top in the Great. caravan park because he's just trumped at 9.7 by old Chris's Dracula. All right, so Chris is getting to the top of the pile. Top three goes number one, Dracula. Number two, the mummy. Number three, Victor Caroon. Wow. Victor Caroon is sharing with, yeah. with the... Brilliant mummy and a pretty darn brilliant Dracula. Yeah, no, I I think quality, quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, if you're not a fan, if you're not a fan of mummy films, and I know, weirdly, a lot of people don't like them. Um, they they don't seem to appeal uh, to female fans for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but if you're not a mummy fan, give give it a look anyway because it is really good. It is. It is. Yeah. Um. We've got two dates in this. We've got 1895 yep. Egypt and 1890, uh, 1898 Eight. Englefield. Yeah. Right? Is that a place, Englefield? I've never heard of it. No. Um, so that that three-year gap... No, what am I talking about? No, just before that, sorry. Yep. Um, in 1889, so six years before this, 
Egyptian thing was Grimpen and Dartmoor from the Hound of the Baskervilles. There's only six years between the two of them. Oh, right. Oh, that's good. So they could, yeah, they could have happened. Um, yeah, Engleford is a village um, in England. Where in England? Just trying to see. It home is... counties, I reckon. Berkshire. There you go. Home counties. Yeah. 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 All right. Oh, it's um, just down the road from Thiel. Um, we've do we not have a uh, we didn't get a date for the Egyptian stuff, did we? But they didn't say when that was. No, it didn't. The flashbacks. There's mention of four thousand years ago, but that's yeah. it. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm guessing this is going to be quite high up in your top ten. Should we yeah, go from the so. bottom upwards? Yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> right, number six, Stranglers of Bombay. Definitely higher than that. Number five, The Hound of the Baskervilles. Higher than that. Number four, Lust for a Vampire. Higher than that, I think. Number three, The Curse of Frankenstein. Higher than that. I enjoyed it. Number two, Dracula. I do like Dracula. Yeah, leave it. Leave it number three then. Number three. That's exactly where I've put it. Stranglers goes. Sorry, didn't think it'd last long. No, no, no. I mean, this is our top tens, and um, you know, with that, that we've now got seven films on 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 our lists each. I've put mine at number three, um, same as you. Yeah. Um, The only difference between yours and my uh, lists is we've got one and two the opposite way round. You've got Quite a Mess Experiment one. Number two, Dracula. I've got them flipped. My number one right. is Dracula, followed okay. by Quatermass Experiment. They're still right. great films. Um, it's weird. You don't get this film mentioned with the other classic Hammers, do you? No. And yet it was strange. filmed straight yeah. after yeah. the first two. People are prejudiced against mummies. Sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking of how I could get fit that on a T-shirt. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we're nearly done. Um, so it's up to you now. What are yes. we watching next, Ian? So, um, <laughs> I, I thought, cause I was thinking, what have we, what sort of genres have we watched and what haven't we done? So I thought I'd try and pick something that's, that's a different genre. I don't think it's something Hammer did a lot of, but contemporaries like Amicus and that used to do it all the time because it was cheap. So I'm going for, a, at the time, a contemporary I suppose you'd call it a horror. Um, we're going back to school. Would that help? Fear in the Night. Yay, well done. Another well done. Peter Cushing. Yes. Uh, I'd never seen it. You recommended it to me. Uh, I'd never seen it. Um, interesting, yeah. Yeah, see with what, the lovely, what... lovely, adorable Judy oh, Jason. She's, yeah, she's good. Oh, I adore Judy Jason. Oh, very good. Uh, Ralph Bates as well. Yeah, Ralph Bates back in Joan Collins. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think a good time will be had by all. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, this is our first thriller then, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, with horror as well. Yeah, and I don't think it was... I know Hammer did a few thrillers, didn't they? did a few contemporary stuff, but it was sort of almost an untapped market for them, I think. I think this is a Jimmy Sangster script as well. Yeah. He he was firmly into his psycho uh, thrillers. Yes. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I think he he might have directed it. I think this is the one where he got Ralph Bates in because they were best buddies. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what type of... Because I know nothing about it. You you said to me, don't read anything. It will ruin it. So I know nothing about it. Um, I haven't, I haven't, not a film I remember, not a film I think I've seen. So I'm coming into it completely new. So 
That's yeah. always the best with yeah. the Jimmy Sangster thrillers because there's always something in there you're not expecting. Yeah, all, uh, all I know is that uh, Peter Cushion's called the Headmaster. So it's going to be something school related. Oh, this is going to be really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. So that's in two weeks then. Ah, is two it in two weeks? Oh, that's what? Christmas, is it? What are we on? No, no, no. Next, yeah. Hmm? I, are we recording in two weeks' time? That's a very good question because today is Sunday the 17th. Next week is uh, Christmas. Oh, it'll be New Year's Eve. Are you going New out Year's New Year's Eve? Eve? I've not got anything planned. All right. Well, all right. In two weeks' time, because I don't go out on New okay. Year's Eve. I'd rather stay in and talk about Judy Geeson, quite frankly. Why not? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's very was interesting. She, the, she was the sister of um, the girl from Bless This House, wasn't she? She was. Yeah. yeah. Whose name I can't remember. Sa- Sally something. Sally Geeson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. No, I prefer Judy. Sally was a bit too wet. <laughs> Yeah. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be taken the wrong way. It could um, be, yeah. All right. Okay. Have that on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. So two weeks time then. Two weeks time. Good all stuff. All right. Cheers, Ian. Thank you, listener. Nice right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.